commence primary ignition. This is Star Wars. Look out! From the bright side of the galaxy, I'm Greg Scumbag, and you're listening to Core World News, your holiday news show with up coverage for the latest stories from around the galaxy. Now, for your new segment rundown, July 30th, 2021. 99 problems for the Bad Batch Inc. 1. Boa's Bounty Ball. And now, for your host, Ben Gretel-Adam, to review Bad Batch episodes Infested and War Mantle. All right. Thank you very much, Grex. Welcome, everyone, to another week of Core World News. We're going to jump uh, right into Bad Batch this week. Um, we're going to catch up on two episodes here, as Grex mentioned, uh, Infested and War Mantle, uh, two episodes that really had nothing to do with one another. Um, <laughs> why don't we start with Infested and go back? Um, well, there, there was a commonality, I thought, and uh, tactics, yeah? sort of. Um, yeah oppressive tactics where it's like oh you're of no use to me anymore that happened in both episodes in a major way mm. uh, one where the pikes were basically threatening to take out roland and then again in the next episode with rampart and our beloved Lamas. oh Keminoans. yeah sue you're right so just as i said they're totally related <laughs> no Completely. but other than that unrelated in every yeah, regard. yeah seemingly unrelated but uh that's that's a really good point i'm always wondering where they're leading us on mm -hmm. this and then i think well maybe they're just making cool episodes i don't know um any other uh broad um you know takeaways from these two episodes adam i don't know you know before we uh both great uh so, <laughs> yeah <laughs> no, similarly i don't have any broad takeaways from from both because they I, they are fairly unrelated um i i will say from infested uh, when I was watching it the first time, I thought for sure it was going to be a two-part episode, mm. because because when they had to go back and get the uh, the, get the spice, uh, the spice, I thought, well, this is going to be the next. Oh nope, they just got it, and oh, it it's done. <laughs> like yeah. it was it was quick, but they it was just good. did it. Yeah. yeah, they get things done over there. So I yeah, mean, and Sid, Sid Sid did Sid did tell muscles it wasn't going to be a big deal. Yeah, be an easy job. Muscles goggles <laughs> and uh, shorty. What does she call Short Omega? I think. Shorty, right? Tiny, maybe? Tiny, tiny. There you go. She wouldn't call her Shorty, I don't think. Um, but I don't think she has a name for Hunter. I think she calls him Broody or something. I don't know. Maybe. Dark and Broody? Is that out of Dark and Broody. Uh, Sid, still standout character. She's pretty great. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, in, in Infested, we find that she's been taken over and kicked out of her own place by uh, Roland Durand. Durant, sure. yeah, yeah, and uh, uh, son of Issa Duran, who's the uh, I guess a a crime lord of some sort of syndicate, but I don't think they named. I don't think they named. I think that's just the Durand family. Uh, yeah, crime there's family. some Davaronians. There's, there's a lot of Davaronian talk lately. I like. I really like that character. They're like devil people. Um, but yeah. they, you know, there was a thing last week that we went over in the High Republic where they're like, oh yes, they have all the best Davaronian artifacts here, and I'm like, yes, show me the Davaronian artifacts. Like, I guess they're collectors, like a collector, like people. I don't, I don't know. It could be fascinating. I want to know more about Davaronians, but for our purposes here, crime lords. And you know, Roland comes from a long line of crime lords, and this is just how he was raised. But seemingly has a soft heart, or there's some part of him that's redeemable. But only Omega can see it because he's an animal lover, and that's good enough for me. 
Right. Yeah. I know. He, he loves Ruby, who's just like, I'm kicking you out, but I'm taking your pet, which is a, a <laughs> really certain. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's a bold move. Oh, I've it's got respectable, really... though. It's respectable. Yeah. Yeah. I'll, I'll take care of I, the pets, though. Leave I mean, the pets. It is interesting <laughs> that, that, as you said, Ben, only Omega, for some reason, can see that Roland is worth, you know, saving. Right. Something is telling her that Roland might be worth saving. Right. Could it be Some, intuition? Yeah, yeah, maybe just intuition. Who knows? <laughs> A larger, maybe central concept to... <laughs> yes. Some kind of unifying power? <laughs> um, um, yeah, definitely could be a thing there. Um, or she's just an innocent, right? Like, I don't know. Like, I keep going back and forth with this. It could be that she's just a good soul. Oh, that would be so boring. You know, I mean, she's definitely the anti Boba Fett, you know, mm -hmm. like it's, they've gone from these sort of, I mean, actually it could be really, it could be a metaphor for an allegory, metaphor, simile and, and for like the, the progress that we've made as we followed the clones through the clone wars, where it's like, they were manufactured killers, right. That were soldiers and killers. But as we you know, went through the journey, they're the, you know, friends we made along the way. And then, so by the end of it, we get these really redeemable ethical characters that are now trying to like, that are actually just good people. You made human souls and they're, yeah. they're good people. And you know, what do they do now after a lifetime of badness? But I think, you know, Omega is that that good soul at the end of the journey. Yeah. yeah. It's interesting, too, because we're meeting a lot more of them in this series than just Omega and the Bad Batch, right? Like we've yeah. had, I mean, we've seen Rex. We will see Rex again, perhaps, in the next episode. Now we got um, Gregor. Yeah, we got Gregor. Gregor. <laughs> yeah, and then Gregor. Who, else, oh. who else did we meet? I think his voice cracks. Is that yeah, his is voice that cracks? Yeah, his voice cracks. Yeah, we'll talk about that, that choice. I guess I guess when you're doing clones, you, you start running out of ways to differentiate them and you gotta start yeah. going going interesting. I, I got I want no smoke from D. Bradley Baker. Like he's a god. Yeah, uh, he's uh, amazing. I, I, it really is to be able to do all these voices. Still have them all sound like the same person with these little individual idiosyncrasies. Yeah, it's, yeah, and, it's, it's... and of course, yeah. So Gregor was in uh, War Mantle. Who's I didn't know he was a uh, clone commando, uh, commando, which is like a new thing. I think this is the first time we've seen commandos in live action animation or anything really. Yeah. Um, but uh, he was in Rebels. Uh, if you watched Rebels, he was one of the clones that was out fishing for. Um, large sand slugs with uh with rex uh with rex and yeah. i think wolf was the third interesting uh, i had not realized that they uh, so that he was a returning character he's a returning character yeah That's and awesome. he's a little he's a little shell-shocked in uh in rebels um but obviously yeah. it's, it's that sort of vocal tick that sort of gives him away yeah i yeah um there's so much in war mantle i can't wait to discuss that yeah yeah that opening was just really fun, but uh, yeah. Should we should we should we talk about the first infested first? Yeah. Sure. When, when we get through that, so it's like so she Sid loses her place and Omega brings the <laughs> hunters like, well, see you later. Like wants to take yeah. off, but um, Omega's like, you know, she helped us and we need to help. We need to help her, and uh, so they help do it. They have a, a plan. The oldest trick in the book with the pikes. It's like you steal their. You know, if you, if you lose their spice, they're going to kill you and your family, et cetera, et cetera. Turns uh, out they're very forgiving, though. 
Yeah, yeah. like weirdly, they like, do complicate their plans. They're yeah. very we'll balanced see. thinkers, right? Like, well, we lost spice, we got the spice back. No harm, no foul. Like, off you go. Yeah. Off you go. But, uh, yeah, you think they still probably would have murdered everyone, but um, I don't know. You know, I don't, I don't know how Pike thinks, but uh, yeah, they tangled with it. They try. So Sid, they they tried to put Roland uh, in a bad spot. And they did, uh, but they also put themselves in a bad spot as well, and then ultimately saved themselves while avoiding some killer bugs. Um, that was a cool part when yeah. they basically took the spice crates to uh, the, the kind of subterranean caverns of Ord Mantell, where we yeah. see these yeah. like flying bat creatures. It was basically like Batman Begins down in the, <laughs> the caverns of Ord Mantell. Right. And right. then um, the, the rail cars were cool because they kind of inverted uh, uh the, the the actual um drive like mechanism the kind of pulley up and down mechanism yeah. they put it on the top of the rail car which was so yeah. cool and i was like if we ever do the darth bane movie and he's in the mines like let's see that yeah. same sort of mine car again because that was a really cool design um yeah i mean any anyone else thinking of uh indiana jones temple of doom oh yeah that's all i can think of yeah, certainly. And then, I mean, come on, the rail car scenes in the cave through the caves. It's there's even yeah. the Lord of the Rings montage where Sid yeah. basically like Pippin knocks <laughs> the yeah. rail car like that into the caverns and basically wakes yeah. up all want to get away. That's, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Fool of a took. Um yeah. So they you know, and then it's that's that's kind of it. You know, they do it, they save the spice and they come back and I'm trying to remember any sort of deep meaning through it. I rewatched it today just to sort of get it fresh again in my head. But really, the standout thing is the fact that this like wannabe crime boss is like a person. And yeah, um, and I'm I adore Ruby, the like little like it's like a pangolin with the face of a pug and like a head antler. Um, yeah. Then that's really cute and reminds me of my dog, as any small character does. Um I do like that we get a little bit of more of what was it catching Bolo, which is the weak way and the authorian. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Have like yeah. a moment in this where they actually are like, like, I like how they're developing those two characters, the norm. And uh, what's the other one from cheers characters? Clyde? Yeah. Is that yeah. his name? Clyde? Yeah. Um, Clive. Maybe. Oh man, this is great. Great. I, mean, I like that. I just like that they're they're tethered, tethered cheers and we're all from Boston for the long run. So it's cool that they're just always around Sid. So uh, it, it feels like a little family unit. I, I like that. That trio. Cliff. Cliff. Thank Cliff. you. Sorry. I was totally listening to you. Not and not spending like the entire moment going, come on, Adam, what's the name of the other guy from cheers? You know, that show that's old for even us. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yet applies. It's, uh, yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, it was. I mean, it was kind of interesting, though, that as soon as uh, Roland took over that that bar, it's hopping and like all of a sudden it's successful. Yeah. So it was like Sid intentionally keeping it like underachieving. When like, we first saw his foot soldiers, I thought they were Mandalorians of some kind. I was like, yeah, yeah, cool design. Really cool design. Helmet design. Lots of cool armor design uh, across both these episodes. That's another yeah. kind of interesting. And to answer your question, Ben, yeah, I do think Sid is actually purposefully. I don't think she likes people, and I don't think she's running the bar to be the bar's a front. Yeah, right. Like, so she doesn't care. Like, I think she's ups- I think she's annoyed that she has these two regulars that are constantly <laughs> hanging around. Yeah, I mean, she needs yeah. good people, I guess. But um, yeah, she's she, she's she's a yeah. boss. Sid's a boss. She'd be me if I was running a bar. Like I, I remember working at a store and I would get annoyed when people would walk in 
<laughs> right. I could see Sid backstabbing the Bad Batch. Mm-hmm. You, you could? Yeah, You think she'd do them dirty? I do. Yeah, I do, I do too. She says, she references, she says this, that in in this episode, she's like, you know, I, uh, I've i been staying silent. Like, or, mm. you know, I've heard a lot and I'm staying silent. Like, I think I, she's all talk. Something I, that... I think she knows how to motivate people, but... I don't, you really think she, I mean, she does, she has no love for the empire. We know that. Um, Not only do I think she could, I think she will. Yeah. That's it's a big point. rug pull. It's a pretty yeah. big, it's like, whoa, she, we would do that. But I think it's going to be a Lando. Times, right. It's the empire. Yeah. Take to like save her own skin. She's exactly. going to go. Yeah. And I think she'll pull a Lando where she will then regret it and eventually step in and try to help. But I think we yeah. will get her selling them out. Hmm. All right. Well, so uh, that may not be necessary after the sooner next Sooner than later, too, because if they uh, interrogate Hunter, they basically uh-huh. bring in the, uh, the probe droid, like the interrogation droid. Um, like, he could give up the information about the parlor on Ord Mentel. Like, yeah. You could have, then you could have uh, Crosshair going to threaten Sid, and then Sid giving up the whole group. Yeah. Why don't we get into this, uh, this episode, uh, War Mantle? First of all, great episode name. Yeah. Uh, which, which I... You know, that's the project War Mantle. That's when the, the Empire tried to fill its ranks with conscripts. That's that was yeah. a military project. Also, you want to hear my my general overall feeling about this? Yes. I, I loved it. I especially loved it when it was called Episode Four A New Hope. This plot is almost the exact plot and musical cues from <laughs> A New Hope. It okay. is yeah. weird. They get a I, they get a call. They get a you're our only hope. They get a, yeah. they get a call from someone on a thing. They go to attack a, a a a base to rescue a prisoner, like and then they leave and there's targeting computers and there's a droid who sacrifices himself. Like there's so many callbacks in this, and then it turns into Empire Strikes Back at the very end. But it is, and I mean this really, like I I'm being cheeky about it, but really like. It it is a wonderful, like, retelling of episode four yeah. in a lot of ways, and taking it with this crew, and building on everything that we've seen this crew become. Like, you can see them starting to actually map over some of the characters we've seen in the in the Skywalker saga. Yeah, I love that Gonky played a a part in this, a more active role. I was like, yeah, Gonky. Yeah. And like, you know, I don't know what he did. Like, was a battery or something? Like. He's the uh, power droid. He provided power. Yeah. He provided power. He's like, sure, take some extra power. Um, yeah, there's definitely an intentional shift of the music. I think to reflect the yeah. fact that like they're no longer they're TK units now. Like they're no longer clone troopers. Um, we get a line that's like they the Empire have canceled the Kaminoan contracts. Like right. it's over. There's no more clones. They're using the remaining clones to train the conscripts uh, for. Uh. Um, for the Which, Empire. And when we find out that Gregor was indeed one of these uh, clone commandos who was hired to uh, train uh, the next kind of um, legion of conscripts. And but he depart, he deserted. I mean, that, that's this episode yeah. about is he's he's deserted this secret base on Darrow, which is really cool name for a planet. Um, yeah. Great location, great biomes, kind of a mountainous forest world. And he's on the run in the beginning, and it's terrifying. It's like those Karelian hounds are chasing him. Mm. 
or yeah, I guess they're from Dara. These 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 alien. They hounds. could be Krillian hounds, though. They we've yeah. seen those before. That was a terrifying yeah. opening where he's just running yeah. from them. And uh, uh, massifs, they're called. Okay. Thank you, Wikipedia. Yeah, that was cool. Uh, uh, yeah, they were found on desert planets, including Tatooine and Geonosis. Oh, okay, yeah. They were by the Tusken Raiders. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Oh, I think we saw them in Mandalorian. Yeah, we did. Yeah, we saw the yeah. uh, Dinjar and Snuggle one in uh, episode nine in uh, season two. <laughs> that was cool. Yeah, it yeah. does. It 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 is exactly. It's patterned after a New Hope, in in a in a major way. I do agree with that. Um, especially the finding, the discovery of that base is much like the discovery of the Death Star. Yeah. Um, and then the only the only real difference is that instead of saving royalty, a princess, you're saving a family member. I think they now see the clones as as their family in a big way. Yeah. And it's 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 so beautiful because it's 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 they're going to save this clone. Um, as their family is kind of becoming more more closely knit, um, and they're becoming a, a family themselves, which is very very cool and touching, and great moral dilemma for Hunter right off the bat, where um, uh, you know Rex calls in and says, "Hey, you know, we have uh, uh, some my uh, one of our clones has been, or one of our you know someone I know has been captured and he's being held here on Darrow. Uh, I need your help, like uh, this. We need to do this mission, and then I think." Um, tech brings up that Sid also, you know, they're also doing a job for Sid and they have to decide right then and there, like, do we eat? Do yeah. we like have food and credits to survive or do we risk everything to save this clone, another clone? But I think they're now seeing the, that the, the, these clones are their, their brothers and, you know, and, yeah. and Omega, it's, their sister and their family at the end of the day. Yeah. And it's, that's beautiful. It's really interesting because I, I feel like the, for the first half of the season, there was a lot of who are we? What are we doing? We have this. We owe this debt to Sid now that we've paid it off. What now? And now once they've paid it off, the story has taken a backseat, but in a really interesting way, because it's still developing f- towards the beginning and the end of every episode of like because, you know, we kind of missed or not missed, but it was done very lightly that they are doing now they're running these jobs just to live. Right. They don't yeah. owe Sid anything at this point. They're choosing to be sellswords, really, at this point. And yeah. I enjoy that. Right. And I like that there's and, I, and Grant, you're absolutely right. I love that they started this with now they have to make a decision. It's really easy to take a job when the job there's no conflict. Right. Like all you're doing is just doing this to get paid to eat. Yeah. And now you're right. They it's had it's to finally, interesting that yeah. we're seeing, you know, we're seeing this kind of long form survival of the characters and the survivalism mm-hmm. aspects of the story. Um, versus kind of dealing with the chips. I always thought the chips were going to be this long, you know, form story, yeah. this, this long part of the narrative yeah. that we deal with all the way through. But uh, instead, it's really like Oregon Trail. Like, it's like a almost like a video game. Like, we're following <laughs> them as they're getting rations, as they're, you know, improving the ship, as they're just doing, yeah. going from job to job. It's 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 this kind of, um, it I feels like very serialized. Thing. It's a serialized kind of science fiction show at that point where we're just yeah. seeing each, each sort of predicament that they get into. But you get right. these little slight movements. And, you know, similarly, we get we get this idea that Echo is learning from watching. Right. This episode starts with with Hunter kind of doing that knife twirly finger thing. Oh, yeah. And then Echo is sitting there trying to Omega. do that with a, Omega. Sorry, he's trying to do that with a spanner. Right. Is this right. is really you get these little moments of reminding us that she's a little sponge picking up on everything the Bad Batch is doing. 
Yeah. And I mean, so now they, they have these moral missions, too. And we we're sort of figuring out, like, what is their moral compass? What do they want to do? And I think you broke it down really well. It's, you know, they're trying to stay alive. But now we're starting to see there's like, oh, there's other people like us. There's other clones that don't want to fight for the Empire and they should have the right to not be, you know, to, to step away if they want without being killed. And it's, I mean, that's a pretty niche group, but um, they, you know, it seems like that might be part of, they're like, okay, that's where we will step in and 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 do the right thing um, when we can. Um, yeah. I'm interested this, to see how this, many this more. Episode, this episode is, is entering the pantheon of all-time great um, animated episodes. Yeah. Because it, it, it sort of, explains why stormtroopers are, are so poor at fighting and like so poor yeah it's true it's true accuracy. yeah it's like they're conscripts they're just random people from around the galaxy who have just pledged loyalty to the empire and it's yeah. the unlimited supply that the right empire it's all about numbers yeah uh that was fascinating i so that's why i think it's just it should it should be slotted right you know between your your films you know like right before between uh, or you know before Rogue One, just in that area, or after yeah before Rogue One, yeah, yeah the show's doing such a great job of of really connecting those dots between Episode Three and Episode Four, in a way that just makes sense, right? And yeah. they're finding a compelling story, like to bring the Kaminoans back, and and you get it, like I I it makes sense to me why the Empire decided to not to go with clones. I mean it's just expenses, right? It's a simple yeah. dollars and cents, like. Clones are really, really expensive to produce. You can just get loyal people to to conscript loyal people. Yeah. Well, right. there's about also another, yeah. There's another part of it too. It's like you're you're forging nationalism if you you know yep. brothers mm-hmm. and sisters are fighting with the empire, they're creating jobs for people, even if it is for an authoritarian regime. There's some there's added power to the empire yeah. doing that. Um, even if they're just cannon fodder. Um yeah. It, it's it's also we also learned that the clone commandos like Gregor don't want to teach their replacements. They don't want to teach. Right. These Who wants to teach They're your plebes? He calls them an unsubordinate plebe. Plebe. Yeah. 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 Wow. And they are plebes. They're the, they're just regular people. They're just they're not clones. They're not soldiers. Like these are just that's why they're so poor at fighting and they're falling over the place. There's a great moment where one gets stunned and just like falls face first on the ground as it, as they're as they're running by. Um, I don't yeah. know if you caught that. Yeah. I was like, this is one of the all-time great Stormtrooper fails in this episode. <laughs> yeah, they, they just, like, catch one around the corner, and they're just like, oh. <laughs> yeah, They phase him, and he just falls. Oh, man. Yeah, they, uh, great. So we have a sort of um, interstitial uh, armor design, too, which is pretty cool. I always like that they, when they don't miss an opportunity to give you another armor set, and it's, it's so it's halfway between clone trooper armor and then the really the first stormtrooper armor and the first stormtrooper armor is really um the um i'm trying to think who's the artist i'm, I'm blanking Ralph on McQuarrie, it Ralph. yeah mccory the mccory armor which right. we see for the first time in rebels you can see some of those early like the early ezra helmets right. which are like really sort of like ss helmets i don't know they, they just sort of they've got that sort of gas mask face yeah and, they invoke for sure yeah yeah um so but there it's a cool set of armor 
Um, so I'm glad they do that. And it just, it looks that much cooler when um, you've got the, the John Williams uh, soundtrack going on in the background. And as they're running down the hallways, it's it's I don't know. I just every time, just when you yeah. give me they give, they mix in those reviews, you're like, oh, the it was or, there was orchestral music, and then there were like the there were also flutes. Like it felt like mm-hmm. a full yeah. orchestra. It was really yeah. Down the yeah. There were some that felt like full rips. Like they yeah. just. They, oh, I don't even think they re-recorded. I think they just took the recordings and used them wonderfully. Like I, it, it was amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. For the hardcore, it's like, oh yeah, I remember that hallway music. Like that's it's for the hard. It just sounds like childhood to me, and I don't mean that in any other way than exactly like that. Anytime I hear that, it just reminds me of like every time watching the watching right. episode four as a kid. Right. Exactly. This movie exactly. had superb sort of uh, a New Hope references, you know, throughout. But then the story with the Kiminoans. Yeah, astonishing. It's this like wonderful side story, this B plot that's happening, where uh, you know Lama Su and uh, um, Tanui are basically at the end of their days. Like it's, yeah, yeah, it's um, it's it's pretty tough to watch. Or not uh, the scientist, sorry. Um, yeah, it's uh, some. Uh, I'll look it up right now. Yeah. But I mean, that's uh, not the, dia- the dialogue was so beautiful in that moment where he's like, we, you know, we've empowered the empire to our detriment. Like, yeah, they've canceled all our contracts. Like we have to pre- like prepare to leave. Or, yeah, we got to get out of here. And then they're not fast enough. It makes me wonder. It's like we've only ever seen a handful of Kaminoans. I know there are a bunch, but um, I'm wondering if we'll see more. Like I want to know where the other Kaminoans. Like there, there can't right. just be three, right? Yeah. Like there have to be more. Um, and I, I want to know what happens. And I'm I'm totally entrenched. I mean, we know. I mean, it. We didn't see uh llama sue die on screen but no i was waiting when that door shut i kept waiting to hear the blast i didn't hear the blast yeah no so So maybe he'll be just like incarcerated or something but yeah i think so i don't i don't i i I don't know why you would get rid of that character if there's a secret about omega i want llama sue to give the exposition yeah what i want is 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 this for the story didn't he he sounds really cool didn't llama sue die who died because that was definitely Nala Say is the one there. Oh, wait, wait, Lama Su. Sorry, no, Lama Su is the leader, right? Who was the one yeah. that died? Tan Wei? Yeah, uh, yeah, it was Tan Wei. Just uh, uh, Tan Wei is here. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Tan Wei is here. Uh, so, yeah, yeah. So, well, I mean, they have another plan, and I'm just wondering. There's got to be, you know, there's going to be another shoe to drop with them as well. But it's like, what happens at facility? Where are the other Kaminoans? Who, who else are they cloning? Are they going to be part of like the Snoke project? And yeah, but yeah. It does. And it does sound desperate though. It does sound like they're looking for the next client. And because uh, I know that um, she says, uh, you know, our 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 uh, success with the clone army is known galaxy wide or something. Right. Like that and um and he's like no you don't get it like we're not gonna find another contract the empire doesn't function like the republic like we're yeah they're cutthroat and it's gonna be we just armed them to take yeah. us <laughs> yeah Which and is... i also want to know what's going on with all those kids right uh-huh where are they, are going? they gonna train them or are oh, they gonna yeah, that was like... so scary my I, yeah. I, yeah yeah it it was it made me really nervous for those for those they're kids like, we're gonna be soldiers it's like you're gonna be dumpster food yeah it was not 
good at all. Yeah. But I, they did an interesting job with that that conversation about, oh, well, we can just find another contract. No, we can't. <laughs> was like it was the first moment yeah. I think I've ever had any type of empathy or sympathy towards the Kaminoans, right? Where right. like where like yeah, because they, they just seem so detached and yeah. emotionless and whatever. But there's a moment of them realizing, no, we got played. Like <laughs> like yeah. this is. This is it. All we cared about is science, and now we can't even do that. No, all they really cared about is capitalism. I just can't help but look at them, yeah. and see like pure capitalism. Like it's just like, oh, we don't care who we kill. Yeah, we're in the we're in the business of making murderers and like killing people and and playing with lives and playing God. And then it's just like, like oh, we're gonna like push paper. it because this is our whole lives. And then it's like, oh, we pushed it too far. So as the so this is gonna get maybe weirdly off point for a second, but I'll bring it back around. So I, I teach um, research methods um, in the social sciences and and I spent a week on ethics and research and it's a really fascinating topic and I, I won't go into it in depth here, but I, I started out by having this conversation that as scientists, we have two obligations that are often competing with ourselves. And the one is the scientific obligation to do the best study we possibly can, the most valid and accurate way to do science. But we also have a humanistic obligation to protect the people that we are are using in our research. And those two things are often at odds. Um, you know, as a social scientist, I talk about with my students, there's a really good way that we could actually scientifically determine if the death penalty, for example, had a deterrent effect. We could test right. that. I could develop a scientific way to do that in five minutes. It'd be horrible and completely unethical. I won't go into the details because it's really gruesome, but I could do that. I could meet that scientific obligation. And to me, the Kaminoans are always, the, uh, to me, are the scientists that have no humanistic obligation. Right. Their obligation is completely to science, right? Yeah. And that science at a level. So, so I just, I always think about that when I, when I watch them. To me, they're like just the reason why we have ethics and research. Yeah. Yeah. They're definitely unfeeling and uh, kind of without moral. Yeah. That's what makes me really scared for those kids that they were leading away. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. I'm fascinated. I love that plot line. I want to know like yeah. I love how much Kaminoans we've got in this, uh, how much Camino we've got in this. And I want to know more. I want to know what they're doing. I want a whole show. I don't care. I just like, it's great. I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm just so pleased that we got so much in this show. I still don't me know too. what this show is, honestly. Right. And it, it's filling in a lot of really important cracks as far as, you know, the, the transition from Clone Wars to like original trilogy and like really the sort of what it's like to be to live in an authoritarian regime. I don't know why that would be pertinent right now. <laughs> no, it's not relevant at all. No, um, but they, you know, maybe like, is that it or is it just I think like, I think it's showing off a few different things. I think it's showing off just the general state of the galaxy shifting as the Empire takes control. Yep. And sort of everything uh, becoming more oppressive and uh, dictatorial. Um, everyone's under the empire's thumb and then um i think it also explores uh uh clone psychology during the transition and then yeah um it it then it also it's going to explore i think how the empire employs the sciences of the kaminoans i think that's i think that's what this episode did in a big way where it's like oh no we're going to keep the scientist because cloning is going to start now we're going to start yeah. all of these cloning operations we're going to go deep into the r d and applied sciences and and create some crazy monstrosities. Um, and that's where we're seeing armor shifting. We're seeing, you know, uh, stormtrooper design changing. Like, the, it feels like they're innovating as fast as possible and hiring as many soldiers as possible and just trying to bulk up as fast as possible. Like, this is yeah. the terrifying armada that's growing. 
There's I a mean, really interesting line by um, Rampart where he said, you know, I don't, he's like, I need scientists, but I don't yeah. need a politician. And what does he need scientists for? And I, I think that's what you're talking about. Yeah, like yeah. It's, yeah you, know, exactly. just, you just hit on it, Grant. It's like, oh, that's a really important, like they want science and what are they doing with science? It's like yeah. Yeah, scary, scary science. They have, you know, what, at this point, 50 years of cloning experiments to do to get us to Rise of Skywalker. Yeah. 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 I, you know, this show is doing what Star Wars does at its best, which is telling really personal f- stories about family while also telling stories about society as a whole. Right. And it's yeah. doing both and in a really masterful way where, you know, I am engrossed when it's just about the Bad Batch family. And then I'm equally engrossed when it's about the politics of the galaxy. It's it's really it's really amazing what they're doing I, here. I was thinking about that today, too. I, I always felt like George was like always about progress. And he, he was just, you know, is he never wanted to sort of capture a thing in a, in a glass bottle and have it be like, this is Star Wars, you know, like, yeah, he, he made it. He did the the um, super cuts. I forget what they're called when he, he um, they did. He re-edited the original trilogy when he had the the new technology there. Um, and then, of course, the the prequels were another like quantum leap forward in what he was doing with all the green screen. And I mean, he essentially like invented um, all of that, that technology. And mm-hmm. I think I think um Filoni's really picked up that mantle. Yeah, he's, and, he's yeah. a prequelist in a lot of ways, I feel like. Like, he, he designs the stories like how George kind of idealized the prequels to be, which is the, the sci-fi serial where you get the macro of the galaxy-spanning story of the societal story and commentary well, of all that stuff, and then go in more intimate with the characters and yeah. jump back and forth. And the sequel trilogy that I love kind of abandons that uh, and i would argue that maybe we should have explored some of those all those ships that arrived at the end in rise of skywalker maybe we should have explored who those people were around the galaxy during the more intimate story with the hero right. because i think that that's the sort of i think that's the sci-fi serial matinee structure that yeah. george wanted to create which was let's well, see all the politics of the galaxy and let's 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 punch in and do intimate storytelling i mean isn't isn't yeah. that what feloni is 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 able to do which is oh i'm gonna say something that might be a little <laughs> sacrilegious let's, let's get controversial I, I, I mean he's he's doing george better than george did in the prequel era yeah, like 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 right. he's yeah. he's doing but George that. George had to tee up the ball though. George. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, like this I, is what Star Wars should be. There'd be no Dave Filoni without George. Of course yeah, exactly. not. But there's very little family in the prequels to me, which which is understandable. Like he George would shy away from the family stuff. Like even like like I really want more explanation of the brotherhood between Anakin and Obi Wan, and we get so little of that in reality when you watch those movies. Right. And Filoni was just like, okay. Great. Now give me seven seasons of an animated series and I'll tell you all about family. Right. right? Like, yeah. Well, that was the one major difference is because he had more time. Like, you know, when you're just doing feature films, you don't have a lot of time to do no. all the exposition. But you're able to like, do oh, it in. But George could have been more trilogy. subtle. It's like it's kind of over the top in a lot of yeah. ways where yeah. I think Filoni's allowed to be subtle and have relationships grow slowly. But also. I think in a, in the running time of a movie, and I think the Star Wars movie should actually actually be allotted a little more time. I think yeah. I think you can really explore some emotional, you know, 
relationships yeah in in i think a more organic way just through like i think ryan johnson did a, a superb job with the last jedi in terms of mm. exploring the emotionality of characters i just uh, watched in intimate spaces throughout the film i just rewatched return of the jedi um I was actually listening to another podcast commentary on Return of the Jedi randomly. Um, and so I was watching Return of the Jedi along with it. And, and, and you know, that movie's got some issues. There's there's some some clunkers in there with stuff. But, like, the, the, the Ewok scene, which is really, really weirdly edited and shot, where you first have Luke and Leia and then Leia and Han yeah. talk. It's it's not the best directed scene in movie history, but boy, is it earned. Do yeah. you know what I mean? Like you watch that scene, it is emotionally impactful, despite how poorly it is it is actually <laughs> put together. Right. Because it spent two movies building this family, right? This this weird family. And and so it's nice to see that. Like I, I get the family vibes when I watch Bad Batch. The, Return of the Jedi literally ends with a, like a family campfire. Like yeah. The, yeah. It's incredible. Yeah. 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 So, I mean, just back to this progress point again, like I, I think, I mean, I absolutely agree with everything you're saying. And I think Filoni has picked up where George left off. And yeah. if you look at the first season of Clone Wars, you know, the, the technology is kind of clunky. The animation's a little clunky and he's not afraid to drastically improve it each season, you know, even if it doesn't match the rest of the things. And right now that I'm wondering if like, I even thought like if is, did, would George, if he had the animation capability that Phil Filoni has at his fingertips now, if he just would have done that rather than live action, because mm. you can really do all the things that you want, you know, uh, or you can you can really create this world in a lot of really dynamic ways. It's just such beautiful animation. So that keeps progressing. And then Filoni is honing his craft as a storyteller, but he keeps he's really getting you know, the the more he progresses, the more he incorporates George's original vision for Star Wars, which is really yeah. impressive and you know i'm, I'm not going to take anything away from the the sequels because i think it's good to have other directors play in this world too using the pillars of star wars to their you know for their own means and telling their own stories but it's nice to know that filoni's out there really carrying the the george lucas banner um telling star wars stories the, the, i feel like dave and george and i don't know why i'm suddenly like using first names with them but i'm because we're like do it. best friends i'm sure i, I know in my i own feel thing. like we they're like having the best friends there ever were inverse careers and i feel like george was a storyteller <laughs> who got obsessed with technology and feloni's a technologist who got obsessed with storytelling yeah right. Sur feloni's surrounded by the best now i yeah. mean he's, he's yeah. like shoulder to shoulder with feloni and doing i mean with favreau and like doing live action and then he's just like i mean is it 10 years at least he's been doing these at least yeah. that's a long time i mean that's that's uh malcolm gladwell's ten thousand hours right there just making star sure. wars yeah. about star wars and i hope he's not slowing down i think you know i would be perfectly happy with him sort of executive producing everything that comes out you watching know. this episode i felt like he was having so much fun just writing the clone yeah. trooper dialogue as they're as they're kind of hiking through the woods like like this was this was it almost felt like being like a, being a kid again like it felt like whenever you're in the woods and you're just hiking and you're yeah. just imagining you know you're playing make-believe in star wars like it that's what this this episode felt like in the beginning it's right. it's the bad batch sort of traveling as a troop through the woods talking about beacons and then their yeah. bombs being jammed it was like this is like i think floney's having a great time in this world like 
to me, I think this is he's never going to leave. He's I think everyone who's champion of Star Wars. Everyone who's working on the television side of this right now is having a great time. Like, like just watching this reminds me. I, I'm shocked with how much more this reminds me of the Mandalorian than it does even the Clone Wars in terms of like it's one coherent story, but there are standalone episodes. There are episodes I like better than other episodes, but if I were to re- rewatch the Bad Batch from this point, there's not an episode I would skip. Right. Like, right. I, like, the, yeah. and, 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 and Grant, like I, I'm on board with you with this episode. Like I, I kind of just watched it when I was doing my dishes this evening to make sure I'd watched it before the podcast. And then I had some more time and I rewatched it again. And I was just, I was engrossed both yeah. times. Like it, it is, it is just near perfect storytelling in the episode. Whenever it's I so much one fun. of these. Right. Whenever I finish one of these episodes, I'm always like I end up going back and I'll randomly pick like Clone Wars episodes that that Mm. I loved. And just to like I'm like, oh, I'm in it now and I love Star Wars and I want to watch more Star Wars now um, based on what I've seen. I think we just for 12 minutes of just like totally (laughs) like gushing about. uh, It's a great show. Uh, I cannot wait to see how this all ends. But we got to talk about the cliffhanger. I was going to say we're moving into the end game of the season. It feels like. Yeah. Yeah. A uh, big cliffhanger in this episode. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, uh, Hunter's Omega, cap. Omega and um, uh, uh, muscles uh, <laughs> uh, make two. So it make <laughs> make a, uh, um, two basically like uh, attempts at picking up the Bad Batch. Yeah, yeah from that's this kind of like fugitive scene. level pipe that's like. Uh, you know, an exit to the mountain face. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, another fugitive moment for Star Wars. I didn't but, kill uh, my wife. <laughs> but uh, they make two. Wrecker and uh, Omega make two two runs at picking up the Bad Batch, and uh, they get two. I think they get like they get Tech and they get Tech and Gregor on like the first. Oh no, they get yeah Tech and Gregor on the first one, and then the, then Echo and uh, Hunter are left just shoot. You know, holding the line, fighting back these these uh heavily armored stormtroopers and uh clone commandos and uh on that second pass when they go get them echo gets in hunter makes the jump classic moment and then just slips off falls yeah. off the ship and yeah. plummets like i want to say like 150 feet like yeah it's it's yeah. a ways yeah it's, it's a ways. ways yeah and, and uh, gets yeah. captured it's captured and then we you know crosshair and hunter meet face to face for the first time in a while. And uh, we're going to have some a confrontation at the very least. Yeah, it'll be interesting. And that's why I feel interrogations inevitable at this point. Yeah, they're going to interrogate Hunter. I think I mean, I, I, I think, you know, Crosshair is going to is going to use him as bait to catch the rest of them. Oh, right. yeah, that makes sense. Totally. That, that makes total sense. Yeah. Um, which is too bad, but I'm looking forward to that dialogue between the two. Yeah. Of them. I'm that guy that's like, oh, there's still good in Crosshair. We can turn <laughs> back around. He's gonna. Help I don't know what you're smoking. Literally but I want sounds some. like Voldemort. I, uh, yeah. Just, yeah. I cannot trust Crosshair. He's no. He's Slytherin, man. Like, yeah. He's not Gryffindor. No. <laughs> I mean, he he killed an entire like. <laughs> th- there's no back. Like, I mean. <laughs> I, I don't know. Maybe he'll maybe he'll kiss Hunter and then disappear and save Hunter's life, and and that's his only redemption. You know, he's friends with Rampart. He's friends with Rampart. Yeah, no Let's one's friends with Rampart. Yeah, no one ever Rampart. liked Rampart. <laughs> and in Rampart's whole existence, no one ever. Liked. I don't know. Crosshair spends a good amount of time in his proximity. Yeah, near, near Rampart. 
I think he'd smoke him <laughs> if he had the chance. Yeah. Who wouldn't? Uh, Actually, that would be a really fitting end to Rampart, honestly, is Crosshair being like, I don't done take with you. orders. Is <laughs> like, yeah. there is still in the snake. I, I might see that. I, I, I don't think there's redemption in Crosshair, but I also see him just like not necessarily buying into the empire right like I, I also do see him just being annoyed yeah. by it and maybe destroying everything from the inside right like what if there's like a catch-22 in that like chip that like makes you like obedient where it's just like well you've defeated your own rules like the empire is no longer like doesn't follow anything so my rules are defeating rules and it's like i don't know they're yeah, kind of i have to do what's best for the empire and you're no longer best for the empire right exactly yeah. Interesting. But the whole chip stuff's so confusing because at this point there are clones who chips have activated and are past it, right? Like I guess once you get past six order sixty-six, like do you start going back to baseline normal? Like you've killed all the, the clones. I mean killed yeah. all the Jedi. Are you then just back to being a normal clone and realizing like, oh yeah, the, the yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely the, the Jedi were bad and we killed them, but the Empire is not great either. You know what I mean? This is a lot yeah. their Yeah. How does Crosshair to... feel about being replaced? Like, yeah, that's, that's something good, they haven't really question. delved into. You know, right. I mean, he's so training like... his own elite group, right? We've seen that of, of conscripts, yeah. but I don't know. I, I like your I, I, early call. I can't remember which one of you said it, but like that they're going to be, they're the early death troopers, like where they're going to, I mean, there needs to Adam. be elites as Adam. Um, you know, that that could be a thing where they sort of they have their own division. I mean, I really want to know the background more about Death Troopers. Like, yeah, that would be a fun thing to see in live action. Yeah. Or, you know, I did like what we got to what we got to read in Alphabet Squadron about uh, some of the Death Troopers. in that. Yeah, there's some good that camp, stuff that there. war camp after. Uh, yeah, prison camp. They had like chips and circuitry and cybernetic, you know, augmentation. Yep. Yeah. yeah, they were like enhanced and all that. I mean, it yeah. really kind of describes what Crosshair is. Yeah. Um, It'd be cool to see Crosshair get enhanced and be a bigger threat and yeah. add and ramp up the stakes. Yeah. Yeah. I'd, so, I'd, I'd love that if he just got a little more. Yeah, exactly. Just became a little less human, a little more yeah. robotic. Yeah, that would, that would kill all my hopes and dreams, but okay. <laughs> Well, just just prepare. <laughs> it's happening, Ben. Yeah, I love I that you're pulling for before. our guy Crosshairs. That's yeah. <laughs> you know, I, if you're right, I will. Uh, I'll happily buy a beer at the bar, and you know, I 20, thought he was pretty cool. Like I thought, just yeah. it, he he offers really great action. Like if like that's he really amps up the action scenes with Bad Batch. Like without yeah. him, that group isn't yeah. nearly as no. cool. because that group does far cooler you know trick maneuvers with Crosshair involved. Um, all right. Well, we got a bunch of uh, comics to get to as well, so yeah, we, we should uh, move on from this. But this was um, I'm glad we <laughs> really got into the good stuff with Bad Batch. Uh, looking forward to two more episodes of this show uh, this year and who knows how many more going forward. Yeah. All right. Let's move on. Bounty hunters. We don't need that scum. 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 All right, welcome to another edition of Boba's Bounty Board. Uh, this week we are covering three comics. Am I right on that, guys? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, we're gonna do Darth Vader. Uh, we're gonna do Jabba the Hutt, and we're going to do Star Wars Main Run. Um, I'll start with Darth Vader because I think that's the earliest released of the three. Mm-hmm. Um, this is Darth Vader: War of the Bounty Hunters, the Blade Behind the Curtain. Um, 
this is uh, written by Greg Pack. Uh, Raphael Ianco is the artist. Jason Keith is the colorist. VCs Joe Caramagna is the letterer. Um, this, uh, this comic was excellent. Uh, brief summary, uh, after Vader defeats IG-88, thus thwarting Slymore's scheme to eliminate him, she is, uh, Slymore is demoted and told to conduct sub-administrator tasks where she learns from a delegate that the recently frozen Han Solo is being auctioned off by Crimson Dawn, and that Han Solo has connections to a more primary target, Luke Skywalker. Connecting the dots between Vader and Skywalker, Sly develops a new plan to take down Vader that involves a secret council of robed emissaries and even attempts to manipulate Vader's will after learning much of his physical body is preserved in the cybernetic armor. But Vader yet again proves relentless as he single-handedly slaughters Moore's acolytes and withstands her force abilities with ease. Before dealing Sly a death blow, Sly persuades Vader that she can go to the auction on the Empire's behalf and bid for Han Solo. Vader agrees but seems to be conducting his own sinister scheme to eliminate all the adversaries in one fell swoop. Nice. Well done once again. Um, comprehensive as always. Uh, Slymore, big Slymore episode. Which yeah, is a lot of Slymore. And then I, I left out here that Ochi of Bastoon is now Vader's cheerleader. <laughs> it's yeah. Incredible. It's, it's like and it's man. my favorite part of this of this comic is that Ochi of Bastoon is in the background of every Vader moment. He's and just like cheering him on. The little kid in like a group of bullies. Yeah. He, he's the flavor flave to uh, Darth Vader's Chuck. <laughs> yeah. The best go. part of this comic is Slymore is betting on Han Solo and uh, the huts quickly get into the millions of credits and she can't compete and can't see the rationale of competing with the, you know, the Imperial credits. Yeah. Uh, and uh, you just hear in the background, Ochi Bastoon just laughing in the crowd. <laughs> you just see him <laughs> laughing behind her. Yeah. And I was like, this is incredible. He's like, oh, uh, Sly, you're so relief. owned again. I will say, uh, and I will fully admit this, you know, we we are a Star Wars podcast and supposed to be experts in all things Star Wars. Um, I forgot or maybe never knew that Slymore had force abilities. So, yeah, when did that get? This was very this? exciting for me where I'm like, what? <laughs> in the middle yeah. of that issue. Yeah, I forget where we first learned that Slymore had force abilities. Was it this episode? Like I, this issue? I, to me, it just feels fitting. Like she is sitting with Palpatine at that opera, yeah. at the kind yeah. of opera scene uh, before Anakin steps in. Um, yeah, I think she, that adds to the, the mystique of that character is if she has some force abilities. And obviously, the people she's surrounded herself with, they kind of look like Sith acolytes. To a yeah. Yeah, they're definitely acolytes. And I, I, I thought Embarans had a uh, like a force potential from birth. Like I thought a lot of Embarans were force sensitive. Oh man, now we got to get back. Maybe. Last yeah, shot. I would love to Straight. dig into some Umbaran lore, but um, right. yeah, I thought I mean, there was last shot had there. a ton of it. It all took place on Umbar, right, or most of it did. But I don't remember that being a thing. Right. So I think it was first yeah. mentioned. Thank you, Wikipedia, and following the sites. It seemed like it was first mentioned in Star Wars Destiny, which is a collectible card game from okay. 2016. So it must be on her card in that, which that. Stuff's technically canon, so all right, yeah, you're so that's well, where it's first like revealed, and then but in, in these, I mean, I guess she's shown up in the Star Wars com run, and then I guess Vader now. No. Technically, we first found out March 28th, 2019, because it was in the Convergence expansion pack, 
<laughs> we missed that one. I guess we need to get into the card game as well. Uh, that that, that was kind of strange. Good to me. Like her last ditch effort is to try to mind trick Vader, and I was like, yeah, yeah, okay, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. She also tries to hack Vader's armor, like uh, with what IG88 did did to, did to him in the last issue, and it doesn't work because he's already fixed. He's already made that modification, and yeah, and pretty cool. That, that, oh, that poor Sly Moore, man. She's just kind of sad. This is like Sly Moore's no good, very bad, terrible day. I don't remember the name of that book, but um, you know what I'm trying to say. She just like <laughs> yeah, keeps yeah, getting yeah. owned. She's sitting there in like her office with a bunch of these peons, like being like, "Oh yeah, we've got these new uh, noob capacitors. We need to install." She's like, "Just do it and get away from me." I feel Emperor's Sly Moore. Like, of course you have failed. Yeah, yeah. She's like, I used to be like really cool. You guys should know that. <laughs> this this comic has a wicked sense of humor, right? Because like, <laughs> I never would have Sly Moore and. What little we've seen of her, right? Like, right. I, I just love there's a moment of her just there's like a scene from The Office, right? Like, yeah, literally. Totally. Just like, like, <laughs> and, yeah, and, and, no, it was so fitting. It was almost like an SNL skit of like, this is the person who would improve, approve of sort of like imperial uh, tasks around the galaxy. Is yeah. Someone who's yeah. like drained of sunlight and like trapped <laughs> in like a tight office yeah. and like wearing like almost Dracula-esque attire. Like, <laughs> of true. course, of course, of course, it's that person who's approving all these different uh, jobs. And I feel like they did, uh, Pac did such a good job of making her feel still in this episode, like, like she has abilities. She's cunning, right? Like they don't make her a complete, like, but at the same time, like just, she's got a cadre of force of depth that are at her command. Like she's powerful, but still one step behind Vader the entire time. And and there's this, there's well, everyone one, is. It seems like everyone yeah. is a step behind Vader, and that's kind of what I wanted to allude to. In the and and I want to talk about that in a minute. I, I just feel like there's one cell in particular that is like I, I if I had time before the episode, I was going to make it my background, and I didn't. Mm-hmm. And oh. it's the best illustration of Slime War. Oh, okay. yeah. I was going to say there's so many, but can we guess? Yeah, if you want to try to <laughs> take a guess, which one I wanted to make. Quick guess here. Quick guess. I'll give you uh, one. Oh, question. it's got. Is it? Are you talking about the montage of her just pacing around and thinking for like a day? No, but oh, that okay. is so good. That is so it is, good. There yes. is. She's you, at the. She's at the auction. Oh yeah, yeah. And, yeah, and yeah. she's getting outbid by the huts, and there's <laughs> yeah, a scene yeah. of her just like, yeah, like yeah. this like lip quivering, like just realizing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. like, that's this her. Is oh, she's laughing plan. in the background. Yeah, that's the one, yeah. and it's the most human we've ever seen her and i just it, it, i love it like it's just yeah. it's, like it's again similar to what we talked about in the last segment it's the only time i'll ever sympathize or she, empathize with slymore right she's very well drawn in this issue i think in the other issue uh, it was a little more cartoonish approach but like, yeah. yeah she's very no. well drawn in this issue and just great facial expressions i know it's so um, good that's yeah. uh rafael ianko i was I gonna say shout out yeah. to ianko it's it's so good yeah, so at the end of this issue, I mean, you see Vader just like throwing a throng of Crimson Dawn guards like, against the wall. Like he's basically showed up to crash this party, as we've seen in all the other issues. But it's I think we get a little more insight into his plan, which is to get everyone there, sort of. Yeah. And also Skywalker, I think, is 
like the key to the plan, but to get Han Solo. And we'll we'll uh, we'll talk about this more in the next two issues. But clearly, the actual plot of Vader showing up at the auction is not going to move at all until Bounty Hunters number three. <laughs> right. Which they is, are yeah, slow playing this. <laughs> yeah, they have. They they showed that early, and it's just like every episode ends with Vader crashing the party, as it should probably. I mean, that's the. I, I really loved how Greg Peck wrote uh, Slimore out of these corners. It felt like Breaking Bad. It felt like mm-hmm. um, Better Call Saul in terms of how Slimore weaved and uh, bobbed to 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 figure out a way forward for, for it, to ensure her survival. Like I, I really loved that. You know, she was like, I have no reason to betray you or like, uh, you know, bringing you to Skywalker, like maybe he'll kill you or bringing you to this this auction. Maybe they'll kill you. Like it's uh, I love that. She's like, I have no reason to betray you. It was it was the logic of that character was just great. The rationale. And I, I just loved how the writing of that character. Yep. So so good. Yeah. Anything uh, else on this? Any more Vader tidbits from this episode? I mean, it was a lot of Slymore for a Vader yeah, episode. But the next issue, the cover was really intriguing. It's like Ochi doing some action. He's kind of he was sitting on the sidelines in this episode. So I'm hoping to see o- Ochi in action. Yeah. And um, the comics are making Ochi really cool. Like, yeah. if you were so so on Ochi after Rise of the Skywalker, I think <laughs> this is definitely bolstering a claim for that character. He was mostly just a skeleton in Rise of Skywalker. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and a couple of quick flashback scenes. Yeah. Uh, just, you know, knifing some folks. Um, yeah. Yeah, looking forward to some more OG. I'm glad they wrote him in here. It's it's a nice connective tissue, and I am sort of liking the character. Um, Brad. Well, um, why don't we move on to Jabba the Hutt number one, this one, like, standalone uh, Jabba issue in the middle of the War of the Bounty Hunters. Um, we're going to get a few of these. I think every month we get a, a standalone. And so um, this month we got Jabba the Hutt, War of the Bounty Hunters, Jabba the Hutt, uh, Trust Issues is the name of this one. Uh, it's written by Justina Ireland, which is Woo. like awesome. <laughs> Good guns there. Uh, Ibrahim Robertson is, uh, Robertson is the artist. Luca Pizzari is another artist for flashbacks. Oh, and Robertson is present day. Two different artists for present day. That's kind of cool. I I love when they do that. That's really cool. Yeah. Yeah. Edgar Delgado is a colorist. Uh, Giada Marchisio is a colorist. And VC's Ariana Maher is a letterer. Um, So, yeah, Justina Ireland. And, I mean, I I love her storytelling. And, again, she shows off here. So. I did off the heels of a test of courage, which we reviewed, I think, probably 15 episodes back, which is, I think, right. our one of our favorite High Republic books this far. Yeah. Yes. Really, I love really it. I actually, actually went on Apple, you know, like iTunes. So I don't know how I ended up on there, but there was like five people that like gave reviews of that book. And it was just like people that didn't get the book. And I was like, I wrote like a three paragraph glowing essay on like how amazing that I'm like, no, like you don't let a 13 year old tell you like what is going on in this book. It's amazing. Yeah. It's, it's, it's my favorite extrapolation of the hyperspace disaster. Like what could happen afterwards? With yeah. A crew of, you know, young Jedi. Like I so good. Yeah. And we'll be covering, um, she released, uh, just three days ago, uh, the young adult novel, the out of the shadows, right. which is the fall to into the dark by Claudia Gray. So we'll be covering that in a couple of weeks. So can't wait to read that one. 
Absolutely. All right. So I did a little less conventional summary here um, because Justina Ireland created one of my favorite new characters I've got. Yeah. Yeah, so, totally. Meet the most wondrous Diva Lompop. Diva <laughs> is smart, rich, beautiful, eternally indebted to Jabba the Hutt and hungry for human flesh. In this one-off issue, we are treated to her introduction via two timelines. In the most current one, she tracks down Boba Fett on Nar Shadda for Jabba and reveals that he has lost Han Solo. In the older timeline, we see Diva on a different mission for Jabba where she's teamed up with Boba Fett to investigate the infiltration of one of Jabba's mining towns. While she may appear to be just another lackey for Jabba, all the world is fooled because she has clients, objectives, and abilities that Jabba can't even imagine, but should rightly fear. So I love that summary because what what this issue is doing is it's called Jabba the Hutt. Right. But really, it's not. Right. It's and, and there's, there's plenty. Yeah. And I just I pulled her up on Wikipedia and I might I might start. I might spoil some stuff, but we'll get there. Right. Her appearances are Jabba the Hutt, number one, for Laman Zuckus, number one. Bausch, Bush number one and IG88 number one. So I think in reality, these standalone uh, issues we're getting is going to be more about this character's journey through this, which makes me very excited because I hope there is a long history in the Star Wars yeah, galaxy she, for Diva Lompop. If yeah. we've learned anything from this issue, she is a heavy hitter. And mm -hmm. even though the issue does the issue does focus on Jabba to some degree, but but I would I would say that Diva is indeed central to the story. Uh, yeah. More central, a more central character. But um, it but I think she's all important because she seems to state her motivation at the end of this issue, and she's in her motivation ties her to Jabba in a pretty interesting way. Yes. That um is gonna it, it, that offers long form storytelling. You know, so so that's what's great about this character is. Even though it's not, you know, even though it's um, she kind of overshadows Jabba in this issue, it's uh, it's for a pretty cool reason. And yeah, uh, we dive into that later. There's also a hint. And I keep jumping to the end. Apparently, Justina Ireland in an interview hinted that we might see her in the High Republic era. Oh, yeah, because, I mean, there is a, a, a line where Jabba is like, if it takes another hundred years. Like, yeah. So she her whatever species she is could be uh could exist for long long yeah clearly long right. yeah yeah and i'm wondering if her like um i guess we won't dive into spoilers right away but i'm wondering if like it, the, you know her her main kind of attribute is is what keeps her alive the kind yeah. of thing we know about her is uh, i wonder if that's what's helping her um stay young uh much like a dracula figure uh to a degree huh. but um yeah let's dive into like how we first meet her like this character was such a fun reveal. Like, uh, it was so cool to see her next to Jabba. Like, first of all, she gets like a call from Jabba and it's like present day. But then we see like back in the day, like, I guess, like, uh, I don't know, years before. And uh, yeah. but she not looked, too she, she's dressed in like this really, really like kind of, um, I would say, like regal garb. Like, she seems right. like she's she's just loaded. She's like from some sort of royal house or something. Yeah. Um, pretty cool, like, uh, but also mysterious. I don't think they fully state, like, you know, where she's where she's from, like, where, what her species is, she's... anything like that, right? Do they? No, not in the issue. No. Um, though I think she is identified. But her apartment looks yeah. pretty cool. Like early yeah. on, you see like, all these plants, yeah. almost or like poison, like, poison like, ivy. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I I love that sort of flip on the usual bounty hunter, right? It's like 
you know, usually they're downtrodden, just like trying to go check to check and just, you know, trying to get out of the business. She's made it like she has more money than she needs at this point. But the, the only reason she does these jobs is because Jabba, like she owes Jabba and he just like. Yeah, I came away from this issue thinking there's some sort of like life debt, like a Wookiee life debt or like like he's calling on his mark or, or like like she's been marked or something like there's a, a debt. Like, like she basically, he can call upon her at any time to do, um, some sort of, some sort of gig, right? Like anything. And it was made clear that it was not a monetary debt, right? Like it was just a, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sure I, that's a lot of backstory that we don't know about. I'm sure. So. Yeah, I know. And she's just like, "Will this make me even?" And it's like she's done like four jobs for him, and he's like, "Nope, still not even." So he's totally like pushing it. I thought that we knew what it was, but I'm confusing it with all the other. There's uh, a lot of timeline hopping in this, so. Yeah, exactly. It was kind of tough. And, and I read this like a week ago and then sort of reviewed it in, um, this week. So there, there's a lot going on and, and they but both timelines sort of inform the story. And um, yeah, and so I don't know. I mean, we, we could go through it play by play, but. I just love the fact that her character is not your typical one. And then her relationship with Jabba, which I think uh, we can yeah. just like get into it. It's like she ultimately, so she's owned by Jabba. So she wants to kill Jabba the Hutt. And it's like, we've never seen that before. Like there's never been anyone that's just like, you know what? I'm done like dealing with your, you know, your Bantha poodoo. Like I'm going to like actually go after Jabba and kill him myself. And which is easier said than done, obviously, even for someone of her talents. But um, right, I just think that's such a that's a cool new angle on all of this. Yeah, no, it's true, and she seems legit like a threat to Jabba. Like, part of me is if if I if I didn't know Jabba was already doomed a few years from now, I'd give right. her a pretty good shot at at getting him. I know, and I'm curious to see. Like, obviously, we know. Uh, Leia of Alderaan, the Hut Slayer, kills you know Jabba, but um, I'm curious to see if they ever run into each other. Like, you know, like if we get a high five between Leia and Diva. Yeah, and don't stuff. you feel like they're gonna retcon because there's so many people in Jabba's palace in Episode Six. Yeah, that they're gonna have her just stalking him behind the scenes. Oh, that would be great. And, she's and her like, just like to kill Jabba. Yeah, and, like, she's choking him out, and she just leaves. Just like, oh. <laughs> That's yeah. The I yeah. and I just I I love that they give her her own bounty hunter look. Like yeah. she has different looks, and I, and I like that we finally put a point on that. Like bounty hunters dress up to be bounty hunters, and 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 there is part of it that's there for armor and there's also the or ornamental aspect yeah. of being a bounty hunter that we're seeing in this yeah she's got this sort of like punk rock like ripped jeans like red outfit that she rocks with like the the full like rainbow hair and mm -hmm. um you know for her bounty hunter look and then you know she'll do the seductress thing when she has to yep um yeah, and we'll just adaptive. like out drink yeah. somebody to get what she wants and calls Boba Fett pup. Yeah. 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 So so we see her double cross Boba Fett. Right. And, you know, and we, we talked about this last week where Jabba's the one that double crosses people. But she actually seems to be in a blind spot for Jabba. She knows how to work him yeah. so that she gives him, you know, enough so that 
he believes what she's telling him, um, which is a tough thing to do when it's tough to deceive Jabba the Hutt, but she she does it well. She does. And has some really good buddy cop one-liner jokes or or just moments <laughs> like the yeah. the how long can you hold your breath and then throws a yeah. a flesh acid flesh eating thing he's like, he's like how he's like how would skin how would holding my breath keep me safe from skin melting gas yeah i just pictured boba saying that i was yeah. like i love that line for boba. I just love boba. I was like, <laughs> it, it wouldn't i was just i was just curious yeah just curious yeah separate comic yeah. Quality writing, like great scene yeah. work. And we were just talking about scene work uh, in between segments and like great scene work in this issue, going jumping between past and present. Um, just loved that stuff. Loved the, the betrayal, the actual betrayal you were mm-hmm. talking about, Ben, yeah. where basically she shanks Boba with a poison spike and he <laughs> like instantly knee jerk re- reaction just ignites her with this flamethrower and it's <laughs> yeah, wild to see that because well you yeah. find out she's a healing factor so it's it's she's not really at a detriment there but that was just really cool two panels right there yeah that's the hope that's the stuff i'm hoping to get we get in book of boba where it's like just really you know kind of like reactionary yeah. these these issues are doing a, a good job for making me very excited for book of boba fett it's making me think a little more about what that show could be because yeah i hope justin Ireland's had... writing it Oh, that'd be amazing. Oh, that'd be awesome. We've had so little Boba Fett in reality in canon Star Wars that we're getting so much of him in in this War of the Bounty Hunters. That's really starting to inform that character a bit more. Yeah. So, so he can be fooled. Um, but yeah, David like fools everyone. There's that one. So that whole like infiltrating like Jabba's mining town, and she finds out it was all like a ruse by the Crimson Dawn. I mean, this is a really complex issue. Yeah, like, it's not just the the like parallel timelines. There's a lot that goes on, and they both stories connect back to each other, which is a you know another tribute to Justine Ireland's writing ability. But uh, yeah, and so she's like makes you know she makes this crime lord like who's taken over this place like believe that she's on his side and he spills everything to her about the crimson dawn's plan to create an infighting with the huts and then she eats him <laughs> <laughs> sure does defining characteristic she yeah to eat and uh she'll eat any and all species it seems so yeah and she's just, you know, because she's playing Jabba and she's like, I'm going to control what information he gets about all this. And that's so the she thing is, she, could, she couldn't eat Jabba, though. He's too much. It's too much to eat. Like, that's like <laughs> one of her main kind of offensive uh, abilities. And uh, Jabba's just overwhelming. How do you eat a hut? One perfect bite foil. at a time. The perfect foil for this character. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, it's so good. So everyone of, gets like invitations to the Crimson Dawn, like the party. But yeah. the guy bringing the invitation to Java, I thought he was the same species as Devil Lompop, and I thought they were connected. And I thought this was some sort of like secret plan. Oh. But obviously, you do find out she is she is working for a Crimson Dawn as well. So yes, they definitely have like yeah, she's like just make sure you kill. Yeah, she's trying to help get Crimson Dawn's help to kill him. And so that probably started when she found out that Crimson Dawn was pulling the strings on that sort of trying to create. That he looks like a Pantoran. War. I'm sorry. He looks like a Pantoran. I think he's um, I think he's Black Sun. OK, yeah, it's one of the like, I, yeah, I don't know yeah. if there's a species associated with that, but I think he's Black Sun because I think they're by that point. Crimson Dawn has um, enlisted their 
their health. That was that was my guess. I, that's not factually sound, but um, that was my my thing, because the the Black Sun had been associated with Crimson Dawn at that point. So, um, but I guess he just sort of appears out of nowhere too, which is sort of wild. Yeah, it's interesting. Just is there suddenly. Um, yeah, so we're sort of meandering in and out of this. I think we got it. She's a fascinating character. I'm, I'm excited to learn more about her. Um, we only have to wait a week. Yeah. For this, this, this comic is also out has week. one of the most. Oh, really? Final pages. The, the final page, the last page in this comic is. Yeah. Cool. I kind of want that as a wall art. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. It's just your job. I just. The upshot of Jabba's girl. <laughs> Um, all right, cool. Should we move on to uh, Star Wars then? Sure, let's do it. I'm currently trying to move my cat out of the way so I can get to my summary. Xander with her, very vocal yeah. on the podcast. I know he was just literally <laughs> face was in the microphone meowing. All right, uh, let's talk about Star Wars number fifteen: War of the Bounty Hunters, Friends and Enemies by Sewell Rosanas Rosenberg Cowles. Uh, Paguiana, Paz, and uh, Prodigio. So on his way to Jakara to assist in the rescue of Han Solo, Luke goes on a side mission with Starlake Squadron. Their goal? To rescue an unidentified faction of the Scattered Rebellion. Their method? Using a Falcano to blow up a Star Destroyer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Kalaxo parking above a uh, dormant volcano, not the most brilliant move. And that's... Yeah a line verbatim from this comic (laughs) (laughs) for like for taking a side mission in the middle of this gigantic like i just want to know what's happening more the bounty hunters boy was this a fun episode like this issue is so so much much fun fun. right now great in a way where like the rebels are kind of entrenched in like a mine or a cavern of some sort and then at-ats of course are just you know on the offensive attacking them uh, yeah, and then but then but then the kind of heroic resolve of all these X-wing fighters was just so awesome to watch, and obviously Wedge and Luke, like I'm here for it any any day. Yeah, I yeah definitely I I I don't know I was like oh my gosh we're gonna go back to Starlight Squadron I couldn't believe they were gonna like take the time to tie back in yeah because uh, our last episode of Star Wars they were already on um. K- the the you know the planet Chikara. 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 yeah yeah they're um, in the yeah. halls i think being confronted confronted by boba fett like yep. leia lando chewy yeah yeah i i honestly thought when i was first reading this i'm like oh, okay so this is they that sewell realized there was a hanging thread and needed to just finish the hanging thread before we got too far into rise of sky like or fall too far into the war of the bounty hunters like i was really cynical reading the first page and then once i got into it, i'm like oh no this is this is totally worth it this is such a great little well, story what's absolutely wild about war of the bounty hunters is not only are we seeing a story wherein boba fett did not you know bring han directly to tatooine and there's this sort of mishap <laughs> or he's lost and being auctioned off and it's just this like this pretty large scale event that we didn't think would ha- would have happened between you know those films right and uh, uh but makes sense given the time gap and um and works uh, to a degree but also luke skywalker is possibly going to confront darth vader like is yeah, that kind right. of what's happening here right. he's going Seems to, to be 
Vader's crashing the party on Jakara. It seems like they're going to collide again. You know, fresh off after Empire. Yeah. He's being drawn in, or Luke's being drawn in, and I mean, I I don't know. And we get a vision here. There's an awesome vision in this comic where we get the trench run. We get a new hope. It's the trench run. Han arrives just as we know it from the film, but then it goes into alternate history where Vader basically has, is on the Falcon's tail and takes yeah. out and shoots down the foul. Like, it's so cool. That was, I think, my favorite part of this comic. Yeah. I I also love that Luke misses and and how yeah. much Luke is beating himself up and then the fact that just another member... <laughs> just some rando, like... Rando, yeah. Which is, like, such an interesting story of, like, yeah, that's true. If in the original Trench run there were a lot more... Uh, rebel uh, uh, rebels that were alive. Someone probably would have hit that, right? Eventually, yeah. Eventually, I mean, it's 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 great because it doesn't take away from Luke's ability. Luke was the last hope, the only hope of it, really, a new hope, one would say. And then and then, um, you know, had only one shot to hit it, so it makes it really incredible. But this reminds you that if you have, you know, seventeen people flying at something and shooting down, someone's probably eventually going to hit the target. Yeah. That was wild, man. It was yeah. wild. I, I say with Star Wars, you got to follow the lightsabers. Yeah. So it's like we've we've got one lightsaber that is going to disappear at some point, and we've got Luke, and we've got Vader, and something's going to happen there. Yeah. I don't know. I want to know where that that lightsaber is going to go. Though you know, we didn't. This is another piece of news actually that we could have talked about and didn't today. Uh, we got an image from Mandalorian season three. Well. It, and an officially sanctioned image, Adam. Officially sanctioned, but not officially created. Mm, it was not it was created. Released Wait, by Star what? Wars, right? I don't know about this. So it was not, but it's not created for Star Wars. It was created by a person who then was sanctioned by Star Wars for making it for sales. So basically, Star Wars says, "Yes, sell this, and we'll take the profits." Is this? But this is not represented. This is not coming from of, of anything to be seen in, in is Mandalorian. Is this yellow lightsaber Loden Greatstorm's lightsaber? No, this is Grogu putting together a, a oh, okay. yellow lightsaber. Being, with a yellow crystal. Oh, but I don't think crystal. it's that saber, though. I don't think it's this saber. I'm I just saying it's, uh, it's yellow this crystal. This is after the fact, and this saber's already been constructed. Yeah. I'm dying to know. Well, it could be him recreating happened. it, of, of if Luke is teaching him how to do it, he'd be disassembling and reassembling this yellow lightsaber. I know. So does he still have the yellow lightsaber? Yeah. Where does the green crystal come from? Maybe Why he gets a blue he... crystal and combines it with this yellow saber to get the ultimate. To get green? In the Return of the Jedi. Wait, so but where's the blue crystal come from? Right. He finds it in the cave. We'll do an Illum. We'll do an Illum event where he'll go. And it's a double bl- blue and yellow make green. But didn't I don't we know. see? Didn't we see in the outtakes that he has a green crystal and he puts it in the? Um... That's true. I think he does have a green crystal. Yeah, but it's also outtakes, so we could. Right. So Qui Gon Jinn's crystal confirmed. All right, great. <laughs> I always thought it was. I always thought it was a tieback to Loden Greystorm because there's so many High Republic tiebacks. Even in this I, issue, I, there's a planet that they yeah. go to, and it's got this, it's got this kind of like shredded, you know, um, a trench down the middle of it, and it's like, oh, this is a, this is the some of the destruction from an event 300 years ago. Yeah, it, it, devastating it, event. It, I was like, oh, it's it, the hyperspace disaster. Exactly, it got hit right. by a, a vert. No, what's the, what were they calling it as a? 
what do they call it? In I, don't Republic. Have, I don't have the issue open to that. Well, it was, a de- it was no. debris or something. Yeah, hit by something. No, from the no, but in the High Republic, what do they call it when something comes out of hyperspace from the disaster, the great disaster? They call it a some. They call it something in those books, and I can't remember what it's called. But basically, that's what that planet. Yeah. Okay. Right. Right. What do they yeah. call it? And driving me nuts. And three hundred years ago, I mean, pretty much pinpointed. Yeah, that's pinpoint High Republic. Yeah. Yeah. And I thought well, the lightsaber was kind of maybe an inside reference to the saber that's going between, you know, Martian and Loden Great Storm. Like I thought that was something that maybe the writers had thought about before launching these huge initiatives like War of the Bounty Hunter and uh Higher Public and all this kind of stuff where it's like, hey, let's have a these kind of uh let's have some elements that can cross the the, the gaps between media and, and be these kind of iconic, you know. Yeah, it could be Great Storm's lightsaber. Because so, right now them emergences. Emergence. Remember, emergencies. Go. Sorry, I think that's that. right. This is important stuff, people. I, it is to me. Yeah, but, it's important to me too. All right, I'm down. I, let's get it right. But the other lead that we're burying is like this little side mission, which seems somewhat unimportant, right? Because they were going to go do something, and they got this distress call as they rescued Mon Mothra. Yeah, yep. Mon Mothra, and uh, yeah, Admiral Akbar. Yeah, and and they said fifty percent of the fleet that they just doubled the size of the fleet by yeah. freeing that that's group. Yeah, again, so, I mean, we just nailed it. They just, you know, synergized original trilogy, sequel trilogy, and Old uh, old Republic in one, like, episode, right? Like, yeah. Because it is very much great. You know, it's like, what would happen if actually people came to save them, you know? Right. Uh, yeah, wild. I mean, the, the Star Wars uh, run is just fantastic. I mean, Vader is always, like, is pure metal, which I I love, but the storytelling in the Star Wars main run is is always top notch. It's exquisite. It's interesting. I feel like Vader is doing all the synergizing. He's doing <laughs> right? a lot, yeah. yeah. It, but in a really masterful way that doesn't feel like it. And then Star Wars is just is just trying to tell a story. Like there's a little yeah. bit of the synergy in there, but they're really just like they, you could see them whiteboarding this. Like, well, what happened with their <laughs> right. gang between it, it, yeah. five and six? It's Peter like Vader and about how crazy this run is going, by the way. But yeah, if Vader <laughs> is going after that. Han Solo, like he's going to disrupt, you know, the orbit of everyone else going after Han Solo. Like everyone's now, you know, going to have to deal with Vader. And it seems like yeah. he's central to all the issues. And it seems like he's going to be gunning for, you know, the the trophy Han. But I got to think when Luke arrives, Vader's going to forget all about Han and forget about right. you know, everyone's going to fall to the 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 background it's gonna yeah. focus on luke unless he tries to kill han to weaken luke um i but... just need to see boba fett doing some uh, uh hard-boiled kind of like like riding the the carbonite you know for han down some stairs like yeah. dual wielding <laughs> pistols like doing some awesome you know it, you're basically carting it out in the coolest way possible that's yeah. kind of what I'm I'm hoping for. I've been. I would not be that. surprised if you get that with the way. Maybe some doves fly by. Alien dove. <laughs> I think we're gonna make get... John Woo proud. Make I was gonna John say. Proud, John, proud. I was gonna say. Illustrated yeah. by John Woo. I'd like to see uh, something that brings Vader back around because he's now tilted way towards the dark side. Like I gotta kill Luke. I gotta kill Luke. But like, he doesn't feel like the Vader we get in Return of the Jedi. No. I think. Like he's gonna realize like that Luke is the key to sort of 
answering all of his problems, which is just like yeah, he can right. kill the emperor and and redeem his life at the same time. And uh, I'm looking forward to that moment happening because it's, it's, Darth, yeah. you know, Vader and and Luke are downright congenial and. In Return of the Jedi. So yeah, I just watched it a couple days ago, and that scene on the ATAT platform, right, it, yeah. it, it, platform is, is is one of the best scenes in Star Wars, and it it really does feel like that's their first meeting. Yeah, since Episode Five. So I'll be it, it'll be weird to me if they meet again. Yeah. Um. But I agree, Ben. Something he's not. He's where he's at in the comics is not where he's at. In episode right. six, which I mean, there's still plenty of time, but that character needs to evolve. And it's really interesting that we're getting this full arc of Vader right. <laughs> in these comics where he's swung so far back to being like, nope, fully in, going to kill my son to conflicted again at some point. I, I think this is a misdirect. I think that uh, Charles Sewell is making it seem like Luke yeah. and Vader is going to be the big confrontation or, the, or they're going to meet up. And that's where all the force and, you know, the. Uh, type storytelling is happening but i think vader's gonna cross paths with leia that's what i think is gonna happen i think i think i think vader's gonna cross paths with leia and then sense that force sensitivity that her force potential but not know she's luke's sister obviously just treat her like you know leia organa of alderaan not 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 really identify her as a sister because in return of the jedi you really do feel like he's sensing it for the first time there almost like the way his head, head moves it's like a sister like it's it's basically he's reading luke's mind yeah exactly and and i agree like i feel like he has such a blind spot there's no reason for him to know that there were twins so his mind would completely think that luke was his son his only child because you wouldn't assume hey i wonder if there was a twin right and he's so obsessed with luke that i could totally buy him interacting with leia not realizing it's his daughter just because of his obsession and And we need more of that i think we need more of that i think we're all craving more of that we get we get such climactic moments with luke and vader like why not get leia and vader and explore some of that territory it'd be meaningful because like what he interacted with her in the first movie by torturing her and then the second movie by having an awkward dinner with her for a few minutes and then torturing her boyfriend. Right. Yeah. yeah. Pretty They're standard already... bad stuff. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, I mean, just they've already shared scenes together. It would be fun to see a continuation yeah. of, of that, yeah. that development between those two characters. I can also see Kira. Uh, I think Kira and Leia meeting yeah. is going to be pivotal to this storyline. I think that's, that's when what I thought meet, we were going to get. When they meet, I think Kira is going to see Leia's love for Han, and I think Kira is going to pull her blade and fend off Vader to protect that love or something. Mm. Like, that's very, to me, that's very uh, poetic in a way. Um, yeah, I would love that to would see be nice. that happen. Just going back to Return of the Jedi for a second, that line is, you know, Vader takes Luke's new lightsaber, the green lightsaber, and he's like, oh, I see you constructed your own lightsaber. It's the last step to becoming a Jedi. You know that I mean that could still work if he sees the yellow lightsaber, yeah, in this thing. So they could Not still meet up. Yeah, he could be like, "Oh, I just found this in a crypt," you know. But, um, you know, so he could still have the new lightsaber moment. I gotta know. I just, you know, the rest of the stuff is kind of superfluous. <laughs> like, where's where'd the lightsabers come from? Where's that crystal? <laughs> I love it. Um, awesome. Anything right. else? Any last uh, comments about the uh, comics this week? I mean, really, last two weeks. No. There's uh, so much comics. So much yeah. comics. I know. And and Thanks. we're Open getting another, 
another two next week. We're getting the Bounty Hunters and uh, Four Lama and Zuckus. Cannot it, no, wait. Written, written by oh, Dan, yeah, Dan Jose the Bounty Elders. Two, right? No, we already read War of the Bounty Hunters 2. Uh, three, War of the Bounty Hunters 3. Not next week. I think the week after, but maybe I'm wrong. Uh, I think I think it is. I think it is Four Lama and Zuckus next week. Um, it's definitely for Lama Zuckus and just Bounty Hunters, but I could be wrong. It might be War of the Bounty Hunters. Is Afro next? Pretty week? sure it's War of the Bounty Hunters. All right, because it's a it's the first issue of uh, August, so War of the Bounty Hunters. So in August we get War of the Bounty Hunters, Star Wars, Darth Vader, Afra, Bounty Hunters, for Lama and Zuckus. So I mean, according to this, anyway. Yeah. yeah, we do we do get War of the Bounty Hunters three. Up, uh, up next. Yeah, so actually, it could be War of the Bounty Hunters and Star Wars sixteen. We might get another one. Yeah, because we need we need the shoot a drop with Vader, so we need right. to get to that War of the Bounty Hunters comic. So I have War of the Bounty Hunters coming out August eighteenth from my oh really reputable source, which is odd because I agree it's a little different than what the order they're showing. Um, yeah, but one thing I will say. Is that uh, How's your crossovers? What's that? How's your source? My source is good. Uh, it's reputable. How, how could they uh, do another? How could they do another? Well, so oh, bounty hunters makes sense. Yeah, that makes but sense. also, if you learn anything from reading giant comic book crossovers that are scheduled perfectly when they're designed, uh, okay. people miss deadlines and things happen. So okay. I feel like that's. And that's also why you'll note that in these in-between issues, they're not really moving the plot forward much at all. They're just telling these in-between stories. So that might be what's happening with that. But uh, yeah, all we'll right. All, all right. right. Well, then next week we will uh, watch Bad Batch 15. Yep. And have some comics. Cover some comics. Doing. Yeah. And just keep going as we're doing. And um, hopefully some more uh, juicy news. We haven't had too, too much um, a rumor about ahsoka um but um, I, I did i did hear that there was an interview with kira knightley and they told her about sabe the character and how she's gone on to how she's evolved or something <laughs> like that. and then i was like oh this would be the greatest show of all time they i mean thor ragnarok's a adaptation of greg pack's kind of like um uh, uh thor you know or yeah. thor and hulk stuff uh, planet hulk stuff yeah so why not just do greg pack's run with vader and the sabe stuff and Get Vader on screen. Get get uh, Padme's the handmaidens on screen. Wow! Like oh man, That'd be amazing. that would be awesome. That'd be amazing. You think that's Taika Waititi is gonna just do the Greg Pak Vader run? Well, it's like the hand the hand handmaids. You know what I mean? Like yeah, that, that, that right. show yeah. basically. Yeah. Sabe, I'd watch that. I'd watch, I'd watch the, the Sabe, Sabe, show. Sabe show. Yeah, I'd watch the Sabe show. And hasn't she been to Batu and stuff? Like that's a great way to work in Batu if you want to do that. Yeah. Wow. All right. That's it for this week. Thanks very much for listening. And, uh, you know, get us at, get at us at, uh, on the Discord. We're still uh, filling it full of whatever Star Wars info crosses our paths over the course of the week. And uh, talk to us on Twitter and Instagram. And, you know, we'll see, talk to you next week. Thanks very much again. And uh, may the force be with you. This is Grex Kondak signing off. For the latest breaking news, follow at Coreworld News on Twitter and Instagram. Thank you, and good night. Remember, the Force will be with you, always.